administer your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that we are our co-workers, co-laborers together with our Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel here on the earth. You've given us a prominent place in the earth, a place of majesty, a place of ruling and reigning with you, a place of holiness, and a place of dignity. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Now we have a couple of prayer requests here. We're going to pray for... Uh, uh, is this Chuck we're praying for? Cardwell? Oh, really? Okay. All right. Well, that's good. And, um, okay, we do need to pray for Miss Judy uh, having medical issues in emergency room, difficulty breathing. So we just thank you, Father. We lift up Miss Judy today to you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that she is healed. Thank you, Father, that healing power is already working in her body. We ask you to increase that, increase her faith, increase her ability to receive from you. And we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you and we praise you that this is time for her miracle. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. So we're uh, in our uh, book about uh, angels to help you. And... Um, Chuck, do we still need to order a couple of books for some people? Okay, I'll make sure I get them then because we, we do usually have extras on hand, but we ran out of them, so we'll have to grab some more. I'll get them, get them in this week uh, so that we can have them for next month. So, um, But anyway, we're on page 45, and we're talking about uh, angels as helpers. Of course, that's their main function is to assist people. Uh, minister to people who are heirs of salvation. And so when it says heirs of salvation, not saved, amen, but those who will inherit eternal life, that means that they are there to help you at any stage of your needing help. That is before you come aware and confess Christ or um, after, you know, definitely after you confess the Lord. Uh, they are there <clears throat> to help you even in even greater fashion. But they are great rescuers and ministers of, of God's provision. And so whenever there is a need, we can understand that angels might be included in God's plan of helping you and ministering to you. So we, it says here, we know that God heals. Is it possible that angels are somehow involved in the work of healing? Now this is an example uh, testimony in the Bible that we can see there are a few holes in this because it does not follow God's law that he gave to the nation of Israel as far as healing was concerned. God has a covenant of healing. He's always had a covenant of health and healing uh, with people. Uh, he said, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do that which is right in your sight, in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all his rules, he put no disease upon you. Amen. Because he's the Lord that heals us. Now, this is a legend that was thought to have occurred at the pool of Bethesda. Now, how many of you know God can do a miracle but if we don't understand how it happened, it's hard to duplicate it. And so this has been man's 
challenge throughout the ages is how to get consistency from God in our lives. And so the one way to get consistency is like God said, diligently hearken to his voice, do what's right in his sight. Amen. Obey his laws, his commands, do what he tells you to do. And there's no penalty against you ever in life. So that means there's no sin, which means there's no punishment, no trouble, no anything like that. And so we know the key to um, obedience then is righteousness because you can't obey God if you're not, if you don't have uh, God's ability in you to obey him. And so these things kind of follow that, that uh, um, when you trust God and believe God, then the, um, uh, the results of God will be evident in your life. Now somehow these people had gotten the notion that um, um, if an angel came down and, and stirred up the waters, now we don't know if they actually saw an angel or if the waters in the pool just got turbulent for some reason, they made up their minds that an angel had done it, and so somebody jumped in and reportedly was healed. But the next person that did it, and the next, and next, and next, didn't get anything. So this is supposedly the legend that, that they were standing on. How many of you know you can stand on legend and not get anything? But if you stand on God's word, you'll get everything now let me tell you what i believe if that were a legitimate way to be healed jesus would not have intervened because he don't work against himself right his kingdom is not divided and so jesus came in and there was a man who was sitting there you know the story been there 38 years or so and he said will you be made whole so what that, that phrase really means, being made whole, means you don't have any fragments in your being. See, your spirit can be born again, but your soul can be lacking in knowledge and understanding. Uh, if, you, if your head is so messed up that it fights your spirit, you won't get anything from God. And we've all been there. We've been told things in church. We've been told things out of church. We've been lied to about God, lied to about a lot of things. And so if that, those things are lodged in your soul, they will fight your spirit man or the mind of your spirit to, to become sold out on God's word. So in order to receive what God has for you, there has to be a certain development in your soul to hold on to those things and not let them be stolen away by a, a negative or errant thought. Say, for instance, if I'm believing that God wants me to, to have property and I go out and attempt to purchase property and I get thwarted at every turn, I could say, well, maybe God doesn't want me to have it after all. Got me? So that thought if it comes if i let that thought gain residence and grow in my thinking then i'll just discard what god has told me and i'll never get not live like that 
when I was a new Christian. And so I know it's totally possible to have things robbed from you, not by the devil, but by, by your own thinking in your own soul development or lack of. So what Jesus attempted to do with this man is to merge his soul into the word so that he could be healed. So when he said, will you be made whole, what he's saying to him is, can I help you to understand how healing happens so that you can get this healing and you can hold on to it? Because suppose an angel does come in trouble of water, suppose you are the first one to get in. If that's not a scriptural way to get it, it's not going to hold. Amen. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. See, a lot of times we're trying to get things from God, but we don't want to go the route that he wants to take us so we can hold on to it. And so we get easily talked out of it. No, but people say our, our instant healings are a curse to us sometimes. Now, I wouldn't go so, so far as to say that. I think if God were going to do something and, and take it away, he wouldn't even attempt it to begin with. But there are many times where we can be so hungry for the things of God, we can latch on to it. And if your soul isn't developed enough where it can fight that off when it tries to take it away from its slip. You know, this is like there are people who get married and marriage goes sour. I knew God, God didn't tell me to marry him to begin with. Well, let me tell you something. God don't have to live with him. <laughs> you didn't ask God when you was running after that brother all over town. You know what I'm saying? What's God got to do with it after all of this? Huh? And so we can be easily talked into and out of things and our soul based on circumstances but what jesus wanted to do was to get this man in truth and get him in confidence and faith in truth so that once he's established in truth then more truth is added in to help you hold on to what you've already got going but you got to have some truth in there see if your faith is wavering then it's going to uh, be kind of a rough ride for you to be able to hold on to some things. And so when Jesus said, will you be made whole, that, that, that phrase, be made whole, also refers to having your doctrine straightened out. So what Jesus is telling see, being made whole means you are being retaught how to think the right way and how to believe God and how to think like God. So that you can get the results of God. You're in the God kind of faith when you're like that. So when you're made whole, your doctrine is straightened out. All your old uh, uh, Catholic teachings are gone. All your old Baptist teachings are gone. See? So what you'll find in some of these uh, uh, stories in the Bible with Jesus, you'll find religious doctrine all over these things. Because you look at that, oh, waiting, waiting for an angel of troubled water, that sounds like weeping statues. Huh? All that kind of stuff. And so you can see how easily it would be for us to attach spiritual significance to kind of unique happenings. Now, I'm not doubting that God might have sent an angel down. I'm not doubting somebody might have jumped in that pool and got healed. 
But their faith did that, not the troubling of the water by the angel or any of those happenstance circumstances. Just like there are people who go to these shrines and stuff, these Catholic shrines, and come back home healed. Where their faith healed them. Because you can't see it, you can't feel it, nobody understands it, it don't mean it can't work. Sometimes people get so desperate and sold out and crying out to God that they release themselves totally to him to receive what they need. Right in front of a statue. God's not going to not heal you because you're in front of a statue if you're trusting and believing him to do it. Because he's not threatened by the existence of anything man-made. Same thing here. If you go to the doctor to get healed, your faith can heal you in the doctor's office. But God's not going to stop healing you because the doctor's standing in there and might get a little credit for it. See, God responds to faith, period. He doesn't care where that faith is expressed. He doesn't care how it's expressed. Because that's righteousness. When you believe God, you're in right standing in anything you want you can have. Huh? And so when we talk about these things with angelic intervention, we have to make sure that we're really crediting things the right way, the scriptural way. I love Brother Summerall, but I just beg to differ with him on this one. I don't think that angel healed that person if a person ever was healed. And I don't see God having people just sit around. You know, it's a legend. You know, it happened here one time. Let's go back and see if it'll happen again. And see, God will let him do it because he, number one, they got scripture. If anybody really wants to find out how to get healed in this bunch, they have it available to them. The problem is they're living in a whole big system where the church doesn't help them. But the church will let them go and pretend like they're getting something anyway and never intervene and help them the way they're supposed to. They're supposed to read them the scrolls and encourage them in obeying God. And let's get our sacrifices and our offerings back into the temple the way we used to do. And we walked as a healed nation. But they don't do it. So they let the people believe like they want to believe because they have no power to help them and not interested in helping people. Let's, let's get some more beds in front of the pool. Huh? Let's extend the porch out a little, put a few more slats, a few more chairs here, and get a few more people here. And, and why not take an offering while they're here? Just saying. Okay. So, all right. So, the troubling of the water thing, we'll say angels are appeared, appear to be involved in healing, but that's just appearance. So, you know, I'll let that one stand as like it is, like he says, but I just don't believe that's, that's what it was because it just doesn't hold up scripturally. But we're not going to dicker about it. We know how to get healed, right? We understand healing, and we know that God does heal through his word. Amen. And so, <clears throat> so anyway, 
It's the one account where Brother Sumrall states that angels appear to be involved in healing. So uh, providing food and water is his second uh, ministry of angels. As we read through the Bible, we see a number of instances in which God used angels to provide the physical necessities of food and drink when they were not normally available. Now, many times you'll see God needs supernatural help to get things to people, like in a hurry. And so he will often use angels to do that. We know from from previous chapters that angels are involved in warfare to make sure that certain provisions are given to us, certain answers to prayer come, certain things are granted to us. Many times angels will bring messages uh, to people. Uh, speaking to them Uh, angels can speak and they do speak and they are able to influence people for good they change atmospheres they do a lot of things that are helpful to man but also god will use angels to make sure provision gets to people and that's a a tremendous blessing so it says here uh, the first of those people was in genesis 21 the maid hagar remember abraham and sarah's maid uh, what really was Sarah's maid, Hagar, uh, as she wound up getting pregnant by Abraham, having a child, and they caused so much unrest that they had to be uh, separated out of the family. Now, to be honest with you, it was very common for men to have several wives, uh, Middle Eastern, and, and especially if a wife was barren, they would take on other wives. They had more than one. They would have concubines, that is, women that they would uh, keep around just for, you know, whatever purpose they wanted to use them for, usually sexual. And it was a common way of life. And they were known to just live together. But here we have God getting involved. See, when God's involved, he has a different standard for how to live. And so God honors Abraham's real marriage. And he tells uh, Sarah, if she's not comfortable in that situation, then throw that chick out. Huh? You know, you have a right to, I mean, that's your husband. <laughs> you have a right to tell us if they hit their road. Hmm? I know you do because too many wives do it. You find a, a, a strange phone number somewhere or something that don't belong, something feminine that don't belong, unless, you know, you got a Caitlyn Jenner on, but there ain't too many of them around. <laughs> but you better tell me, you got some explaining to do here, brother. You better tell me something. But I've known many wives will call up a so-called girlfriend and tell them, this is my husband. You better quit calling here. Amen. Because God sees you as one flesh. Huh? He sees you as one flesh. And you have authority over all the works of the devil. Amen. Just the devil. Amen. Working through weak flesh. Amen. And so, you know, you you have authority. You have rights. You're under, he's under a vow to you. He ain't vowed nothing to her. If he did, he lied. 
Oh, y'all lying. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I remember my husband had a, 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 a child that he never told anybody about until this kid was like 18 years old. And um, I knew the mother. You know, we'd all known each other when we were very young. And so he wanted to get to know, you know, how they go through this thing. I just want to have my child in my life. That's a really. <laughs> Not if it don't make me happy. That's right. That's right. That's right. And it didn't happen. End of discussion. We ain't taking it no further than that. (laughs) But you know, sometimes you just have to have a little walk and a little talk with God and tell him how you feel. Huh? That's all it took was a couple walks and talks with God to let him know how I felt. This kid's been here 18 years and you just now decide you want. How come you didn't decide that before we got married? It's just a thought. Anywho, that's all I'm going to say about that. We're going to move on. So anyway, angels. Scare holes out your husband's life. <laughs> Is that in the Bible? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he, but God is merciful and he will feed their kids. You got me? So Hagar, <laughs> she stayed in the house long enough to get enough provision to almost die in the desert. And she began to weep and cry. Now, God had mercy on her because of Abraham, God's servant's sake. Amen. We can make mistakes and God will still show mercy. Amen. He doesn't disconnect from people. But you don't have to have them irritating you every five minutes and up in your life. God has called us to peace. Amen. That is... If, that don't, if it don't give you peace, you don't have to live with it. That's all I can tell you. Amen. So Hagar and Ishmael cried out to God, and they wept. And God heard the voice of the lad, Genesis twenty-one seventeen through 19. And the angel of the Lord called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What's wrong with you, Hagar? Don't fear, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. So he... God intervened for the sake of a starving child. God always will feed your children. Always. God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad to drink. So God is gracious. Amen. There's a similar story in the life of Elijah. Immediately after his well-known confrontation with a victory, 
and victory over the prophets of Baal, his life was threatened by Jezebel. Elijah lost all his courage and took off like a scared rabbit running for many miles. Finally, he sat down under a tree and gave up. Oh, Lord, he prayed, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. God's ministry for Elijah, however, was not over. How would he intervene in this situation? It says, following the following verses tell us, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and he did drink. Amen. And so God, if he has to get angels to bring you food, he will bring you food. He must bring us provision. If we cry out to him for our daily bread, he must bring that to us. Amen. God repeated the provision. And the prophet received so much strength and encouragement that he was able to go on traveling another 40 days and continue what he needed to do for the ministry. So the fact that there's no money, there is no food in the house, none of that stops God from making provision for us. Amen. In fact, many times, instead of our storing things up, he wants us to look to him from day to day. Because he could provide to us through a fat bank account if he so desired. But if it means more to him to have you come to him on a daily basis, then sometimes he'll just shorten up the provision on you. Amen. Keep building your faith. Keep seeking him. Keep talking to him. And then once you got the hang of it, then he'll allow you sometimes more provision. You know, I've seen it happen that way. Sometimes he'll keep you on a little short leash until you get the hang. Okay, God, I see now I'm supposed to get my word every day. I'm supposed to talk to you every day. I'm supposed to worship you every day and thank you every day. And so once that's established, then he will start to bring more abundance into our hands but the fact that we we don't have anything in the cupboard it does not mean anything about we don't have food or we're starving or we're going to starve he always provides for his own amen so god repeatedly if you know he does it one time he'll do it again he may not do it the same way but he will make the provision So if God would reach down and supply the needs of individuals like Hagar and Elijah, it should not surprise us to learn that in the New Testament that he did the same for his beloved son. After Jesus had fasted 40 days and nights, he was tempted by the devil. One of those temptations, you'll recall, involved the turning of a stone into bread. So remember the devil said, if you're the son of God, Make these stones bread, etc., etc. Says our Lord easily could have done it, but that would have been using his power wrongfully to supply a personal need suggested by the tempter. He just would have been obeying the devil. That always gets you in trouble. After the third temptation, the devil left Jesus, who was still hungry. And what happened? It says angels came and ministered to him. So that means they served him means they they did whatever he needed done so if that included providing food for him then that's what they did all there were not told so specifically it seems apparent that food and drink must have been provided perhaps the same as would get was given to elijah in his time of need 
Do angels minister to God's people in this manner in modern times? George Mueller thought so. That great Englishman of the 19th century provided care for scores of orphans. Sometimes he had nothing to place on the table before them, but somehow, unexpectedly, from some source, food would be provided and the children would not go hungry. Perhaps God used angels once again to give food and drink when human resources fail. There are many times people have said things like, um, uh, I remember Brother Summerall gave the testimony of staying up all night because he needed, he was supposed to go on a missionary trip and he had no money. And uh, I think he was meeting Brother Howard Carter, uh, who was uh, to be his mentor and teacher of the word. And Brother Carter had explained it to him. He said, now this is the way we do things. We don't talk about money. He said, if you're supposed to be somewhere, you get there. <laughs> so he said, I'll see you. If you get there, I'll see you in England, I think. They were going somewhere in Europe. And Brother Summerall knew that that, that ship was leaving that next morning. He stayed up all night praying. And at like 6 in the morning, somebody knocked on his door at daylight, it was. And the person said, I've been up all night thinking about knowing I had to give you this money. I was just waiting until it was time to get here and give it to you. Amen. And so it's possible that angels are involved in those things because we see angels waking people up. We see angels getting people up out of chains. We see them helping get them stirred up and things of that nature. So I believe totally that angels do those kinds of things because it's evident that that's part of their ministry to us, to awaken us, to tell us when to move, uh, to give us strong indication of, of things that need to be done. Sometimes, you know how... Now, we can all, and I know this this seems like it's duplicating or taking the job of the Holy Spirit, but I don't believe it is. I think sometimes angels can give you a stronger impetus to do something than the Holy Spirit can, just, just sometimes. And I say this because there are many times, you know how a thought would come to you to do something and you don't move on it? And you say, something told me. After the fact, you find out it was the right thing to do. Well, we're all being acclimated to the leading of the Holy Spirit, but so suppose it's something important to do. Then God has to give you something stronger than that to get you moving. And I believe angels do perform that function because they can awaken you. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't like to rough us up. He likes to work with us on a certain level. To, to give us that inner impression, that leading, that guiding kind of thing. But there are some times when you need extra help, spiritually speaking, and I think angels do provide that. So here we have that, yeah, that uh, uh, um, situation here where angels do prevail and they do help us to move in certain ways when we really need to move. So uh, providing food, uh, that's something uh, Mr. Mueller would would sometimes, you know, have nothing on a table, but he would wake all the children up and get them seated at the breakfast table. 
And then pretty soon a knock would come on the door. One time a baker came and said that that he had gotten up a few hours earlier and baked extra bread because God told him to bring bread over there to the children. And so those things are are common for God to do to get provision. He knows how to get provision to us, and angels do play a part in that, that provision. God's warriors, we also see angels perform many, many functions. They have functions as warriors. God also uses angels as armies to fight for him and his people. As we saw earlier when studying Michael the archangel, there was war in heaven between Michael and his angels and Satan and his angels when Satan rebelled against God. The holy angels prevailed. Holiness always prevailed. The other thing is Satan was outnumbered number-wise. And iniquity will always cause you to be deceived in the thinking you have more power and more influence than you do. Amen. So when the, when the blinders come off and that's stripped off of people, they're kind of shocked when they get back in their right mind and realize what they've done. And so uh, and that, that happened with the devil. He fell like lightning from heaven. But the holy angels did prevail and Satan and his angels were cast to the earth. In 2 Kings 19, we see God sending an angel to fight for Israel in defense of Jerusalem. In verse 34, God promised to defend the city, and then we read, And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So God uses angels to fight, to subdue enemies down here on the earth. He did it then, he'll do it again. Amen. He does it now. Another good example of angels as warriors is given to us in Second Kings 6. The king of Assyria was waging war against Israel, but he could not capture the king of Israel because the prophet Elisha was giving the, his king knowledge from God of the Syrians' plans. When the king of Syria was told that, he thought that Elisha was in Dothan and sent a large group of soldiers and chariots to capture Elisha. Those soldiers arrived at night and encircled the city. When the servant, and this is Second Kings 6, verse 15, when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host encompassed the city both with horses and chariots, and the servant said to him, Alas, master, what shall we do? Obviously, the servant thought he and Elisha were in a lot of trouble. We can well understand how frightened he must have been as he looked out over the enemy. But Elisha knew that God was on his side and that awesome angelic forces were available to fight for him if need be. So he said, fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that are with them. Amen. Remember that always. Satan took one third of the angels from heaven with him. God has two thirds left. Plus he's God. Amen. So he's got all power, all authority. Evil has never triumphed over good. We see that at the cross. If the cross says nothing else to you, it says evil is never more powerful than righteousness is. Amen. It's never more powerful. 
So whenever you have righteousness on your side, you have God on your side, you are standing on God's word. Those who are with you are more than those who are against you. Amen. Sometimes those who are against you are just loud, ugly, and vicious. (laughs) And no good. (laughs) But that doesn't make them powerful. Amen. They just shot their best shot. Huh? I just, you know, when I would get in a fight sometimes, I just never liked to be ugly about it. You know. And God recognizes that. In this warfare, you won't have to break a sweat. Huh? Amen. Amen. God's God's saints are there for pretty, honey. We ain't there for getting all nasty looking and vicious and hair all laying on the ground and all that kind of no. Just put it in there, give it the word, back on out again, just like you came in there. Honey. We're we're his adorned bride. We there for pretty, all right? We ain't there for all that stuff. Huh? so elisha prayed and said lord i pray you open his eyes so he may see amen that's that's always my prayer lord open my eyes and let me see what's going on in the realm let me see what you're doing let me see how you see it and the lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full now here's uh, the Syrian army with their chariots on the ground and back behind them all up in the mountains and the heavenly hosts were the army of the Lord and their chariots and horses. Amen. So they're, they're right behind them ready to pounce on them at any moment. So that fiery army invisible to the Syrians was made up of, of angelic power sent by God. Sent by God. Heavenly encouragement. We all need encouragement on occasion and sometimes when God's servants have been in special need, he has sent angels to provide it. So angels can can quicken to you a thought that will change your demeanor, change your uh, atmosphere around you. They are, are great for changing atmospheres. From from faith atmosphere, you know, from negative atmospheres to faith atmospheres. I can remember times when when I would want to say something negative or or get angry about something and want to spit it out, and it was like my words kind of got suspended before they even got out of my mouth. Amen. And and I know that was help outside of me. You know, because sometimes you can just cool yourself down or calm yourself down. It's one of those things where you that wasn't occurring to you. But the Lord helped you not to take it further than what it should go. Because sometimes words get to be almost irretrievable. You know what I'm saying? And we've all been there. You get away from a situation and you're sorry you ever opened your mouth or got up that morning or whatever you did. But But, you know... Angels help to keep atmospheres around you. You know, it's good for a lot of reasons because when you think about it sometimes, parents, you've got children in your home that you're responsible for. And if, if, 
angels of the Lord help keep an atmosphere, a nurturing, safe atmosphere and environment for your whole family so they, they can all thrive, that's a safeguard to you to make sure that your children don't suffer because of mistakes that you might make or, or things that you do that, that aren't cool. And so you can even extend it that far to know that they are there to encourage you to stay strong in the Lord, you know, and, and to hold on to God, what God's told you. In Daniel 9.21, the angel Gabriel came to Daniel to give him an encouraging touch. Gabriel then told him a prophecy. As we saw earlier, when Paul was on his way to Rome, the boat he was in got caught in a severe storm that threatened the lives of everyone on board. But an angel came to Paul at night and encouraged him with God's promise that everyone would be saved. Our Lord himself probably received angelic encouragement many times during his life on the earth. The night of his greatest need was surely that night in the Garden of Gethsemane when he agonized over his impending death. The same night in which he was betrayed, in that time of great need, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Amen. Now you could tell at the Last Supper he was, Jesus was beginning to get troubled. Now it says after he got to the Garden of Pray, he was troubled. But you could see where things were going, like when he said to Judas, whatever you do, do it fast. You understand what I'm saying? You can see his humanity showing through because he was 100% God and 100% man. And so there are many things that we can see, we can identify. You know, if you know something bad's going to happen, you don't want it to linger. Amen? And so he did need strengthening and he did need encouragement to continue to obey. It's like the angels were saying, you're almost at the finish line. We're here for you. We're here to support you and encourage you through this so that you can get the will of God done. And I think they do the same thing for us. They're here to encourage us and strengthen us so that we can do the will of God, so we can get the things God needs us to receive. We can have our testimony secured because of angelic help. You know, if we fall apart at the finish line, there your witnesses shot, testimony gone, the fruits of all your labors. Uh-uh. So angels really help us to stay in the fight and help us to say, stay, finish up, finish strong, as they say, to endure to the end. So there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Angels always are there to strengthen us. What do angels do? They worship God. They direct men, protect believers. Angels give information. Angels may be involved in carrying home the righteous when they die. Angels bring God's judgment on both the pagan and on God's people. Angels may sometimes exercise a ministry of healing, questionable. God has used angels to provide the physical needs of his people. Now, I do believe angels strengthen us, and I think they do help us. So as far as is that being, but that one example of healing is not so good, I don't think. So we'll leave, just leave that one out there. But, but God can use them to do anything he needs them to do. I know angels will stand guard over us 
so that nothing, uh, you know, and they will nudge people to come and help us. You know, I, I can remember working in hospitals and, you know, there was like almost disaster. If you're dependent on humans, you, you know, humans have their limitations. But there would be almost disaster, and then somebody woke up in time to catch something and so forth and so on. So, you know, angels, and they're very much needed there. Angels do battle for God and his children. They strengthen and encourage his own. Perhaps you think to yourself, I wish I could see such great things for myself to experience some of them. the things pointed out in the Bible. Of course, but perhaps God has something different in store for you. He may want you on the giving end rather than receiving end. If an angel were to come to your door dressed in spectacular garments and radiating the glory of God, you would certainly invite him in and give gracious, loving service. Suppose, however, that someone of low estate came to your home. How would you respond? Perhaps it would not be in the same way as if he were or looked like an angel. I'll put it that way. But remember, Hebrews 13:2 says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Amen. So many times angels will come to us in the form of strangers, and God tests us, you know, in, you know, not to go by appearance or something like that. I remember uh, there was somebody, uh, an evangelist or somebody who was doing street ministry, and uh, he said he was he was uh, witnessing to homeless people on the street, and he said he went up to this homeless man and uh, told him, he said, "Do you know that Jesus loves you?" He said, "Uh huh." He said, "But do you know that Jesus loves you?" <laughs> Amen. And so sometimes, you know, be an angel, or but they can come with a very strong message for you sometimes where you know, Chuck, want to pass these out, darling? Thank you. Uh, You'll have to wake up a little bit for that, Chuck. I don't know. Just a little bit, though. Just a little bit. Well, you let your girl Rachel go home now. I don't know why you... Why you let her off the hook? <laughs> you got to keep your little help around. So we're going to take our quiz real, real quick, and then we can take a 10-minute break and get into the second session. We'll be able to finish up on time, I think.